Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Today, I want to just follow up a little bit of what we talked about yesterday. Yesterday, by the way, is a very emotional show. We talked to a lot of people, uh, mainly women, who were carers in Ireland and how they felt left behind, how they felt ignored, how they felt they weren't being supported by the state. And Family Carers Ireland is the national charity supporting about 500,000 family carers across the country who care for loved ones, such as children or adults with physical and intellectual disabilities, frail older people, uh, those with palliative care needs, or those living with chronic illness, mental health conditions or addiction. And they have today released a report assessing the implementation of the programme for government, our shared future, it's called, from the perspective of family carers. And to join me and tell me a little bit more about it is Catherine Cox, Head of Communications and Policies of the Family Carers Ireland. Good afternoon to you, Catherine. Good afternoon, Niall. Thanks for having me on. Now, we heard some really... It was very difficult to listen to yesterday. And don't do, these are people's lives, of course. We're talking about, you know, with a mother with a child 16 years of age who's stronger than her, who's head-butting her, hitting her every day. She's up at one o'clock in the morning, carrying from... And all she wants is a bit of respite. And, and other women talking about, you know, one woman had to put her child into residential care because she just couldn't deal with it anymore at 21 years of age. He had chronic uh, uh, illnesses across the board, intellectual and physical as well. And so many carers out there, they seem to be getting ignored. Is that the case? It is, unfortunately. And I suppose right at the very start of the pandemic, um, we started to lobby, for example, for family carers to be prioritised for vaccinations, um, given that they are... Uh, many are frontline in terms of the level of care that they're providing for loved ones. And unfortunately, that's seven deaf ears. So, Absolutely. We um, had Tina Gates on yesterday with her 96-year-old yeah. dad. And she's, she's at the moment, she has COVID and she's head yeah. to toe. She's practically in a hazmat suit trying to look after him because nobody will help her. Uh, absolutely. Um, and I had Sinead Tai, who I know was on the show as well yesterday. Sinead was with me this morning as we launched our scorecard outside the doll. And look, just to give a bit of background on the scorecard, basically 18 months ago, the government made commitments in their programme for government, 18 commitments of things they would do to improve the lives of family carers and support them. So we basically scored them on what they said they would do. Okay, I'm, I'm looking at them here. Okay, so let's let's go yeah. through them very briefly if we can. Uh, yeah, deliver a right. carer's guarantee proposal that will provide a core basket of services to carers across the country, regardless of where they live. So far, no progress. No progress, yeah. Uh, ex- now, Go ahead. That, that, that's an interesting one in that we have had some meetings with the HSE over the last two weeks. It looks like something may come on board uh, to do with that in January or February, but we have to score them on this day and time, and to date there has been no progress on that, unfortunately. Okay, this is a basic one which should happen, and, and of course Tina would have been a classic example of that yesterday where she should have already had her booster vaccine because she's with her 96-year-old dad, but extending free GP care to carers in receipt of carer support grant. In other words, if you're a carer, you should be looked after yourself because, I mean, your health is vital to the person that you're caring for. Absolutely, and one of the things we keep saying is that if the carer's health fails, then two people require care, and Tina being an absolute you know, example of that, and Tina herself lobbied with us for so long over the last number of months to have carers prioritised. Um, and I think looking at the report, I suppose a big pressure point is respite, and I know some of your family carers would have talked about that and are 
talking about that even before we had a pandemic, respite was a massive problem and a huge challenge for family carers. And it has got so much worse over and the last And if they don't get months. respite, just a little bit of time out, their own mental health suffers. They don't have a light at the end of the tunnel or something to look forward to in their kind of, as many of them described, the Groundhog Day. Uh, they, they've nothing to look forward to, even a little weekend away or, you know, two weeks in the summer or something to look forward to. Exactly. And for most carers, they use that respite sometimes just to catch up and sleep because carers are up, you know, during the night. Some of them, it's 24-7. So respite is crucial to prevent burnout. So it's not even about, you know, I work, I get 20 days paid annual leave or more every year. We we do because we're paid to work and we get that. Carers work many 24-7. They have no legal entitlement to even one day break in the year. So part of what we're calling for is that there is a minimum statutory entitlement to 20 days of respite for every family carer. Because now, it I is a job. Minimum, it's essentially a job that's, it, sa- it that's saving the state is. money, by the way. Can save, I? Yep, saving the state 20 billion euros carers save the state every year. Because if we didn't have carers and people looking after those with chronic illness or those who are elderly or, or vulnerable or whatever, the state would have an obligation to look after them. So we are saving the state money. Establish a commission to examine the care of older people. And then It says here there's been limited progress. So what progress has there been in that? Because they seem to be able to establish all sorts of committees over the last year when it comes to COVID. Yeah, so, so they have begun work on that and that's why we said limited progress. Um, and quite a few. We have four that have limited progress and that's where something has begun, a small amount of work maybe has begun to address some of these issues. Um, and, you know, it's important to say as well, two received good progress. We, we should highlight that as well, um, that in particular, there's a huge worry for family carers when they reach retirement age of 66. Now, some of them never get to retire, by the way, but anyway, when they reach retirement age, many carers in the past had no entitlement to a contributory pension, despite the fact that they'd saved the state so much, have been caring at home for so many years. So we gave good progress on this. Because okay, I, gi- I give you the two that you've given good progress on, which are examine options for a pension solution for carers in recognition of enormous mm-hmm. value for their work, and also reduce the waiting times for assessment of the need under under the Disability Act of 2005. In other words, those who I suppose were looking for help, you know, that time that they have to wait to get that yeah. help uh, has yeah. been obviously reduced substantially. It uh, has. Okay, and some of the ones that I'm looking at here, okay. which have been regressive, which is sad to see, yeah. uh, is to provide additional residential places and new emergency residential places for people mm-hmm. with disabilities, provide additional respite nights for people with disability, and expand adult day service and supports for adults with physical, sensory, and intellectual disability and autism throughout the country. So they're all regressive. In other words, we're going backwards. Is that because of COVID? Look, it's partly because of COVID, but I don't think we can use COVID as an excuse for some of these because even before the pandemic, respite was atrocious. It was inconsistent, inequitable. Where you live depended on what you would or what you wouldn't get. Similarly so for things like day services, adult services. So while COVID has made things worse, yes, these have always been a problem. These have always been a challenge for family carers. And we can't continue to use, you know, COVID as an excuse not to do something about these. Because if carers don't get those supports, like those day services, like those early interventions for children um, in terms of, you know, uh, physiotherapy, OT, speech and language, then we're denying those children the potential to grow. So, so it's so important that COVID is not used as an excuse. Yes, it has made things difficult. We completely accept and acknowledge that. But 
family carers have continued to care for loved ones. They suppress. They the have virus no choice. Yeah, the, the virus exactly. doesn't matter to them. They have no choice. Exactly. They have to keep doing it. Uh, also, yeah. maintain support for housing adaption grant scheme. No progress. They, this is in relation. We had a woman on yesterday whose seventy-five-year-old dad, who had a, a litany of problems, sadly, uh, uh, sadly he died. Uh, he passed away about five or six months mm-hmm. ago. But but she came in and found him on the floor. She couldn't lift him up. He was a lot bigger than she was, and she didn't have the services there, the support there to to get the equipment she needed. I suppose, and you know, people getting up and downstairs, having a bathroom adapted for somebody downstairs or a bedroom yeah. adapted downstairs. This kind of implementation of these kind of equipment is that the problem that we can't get that quick enough? It, it is, and we've had many, many carers who've told us by the time those grants came through, sadly, the person they were caring for had passed away. You know, that's how long you can be waiting, and um, because of all the, I suppose, bureaucracy and red tape, if somebody needs a bathroom downstairs to care for, whether it's their elderly relative or a child or adult with disability, they need it, you know, quicker, sooner rather than later. They cannot afford to wait six months, 12 months, for an application to be processed. So there needs to be um, some way of addressing these needs and addressing them quickly um, so that the family get the support when they need it. So many care sellers, they fight and they battle for everything. And what do they do if they don't get enough? Sorry to interrupt you, Catherine, but I remember my own mum at the time, uh, she had emphysema before she died. She died about 10 Mm. years ago, but... She wanted a stair lift and we, they got the bathroom adapted for her downstairs with a, a bath with a door on it that she can get in and out and stuff like that, right? And it cost, I think altogether it was about 10 grand, I think, for the whole adaptation mm. of, of the house uh, for her final five or six years. But I remember they didn't pay at all. And my father had to kind of trump up a fair few quid to try and, you know, and, which he was retired and, and not in great health either. But And mm. so they're doing it out of their pension. So, I mean, yeah. do, do the state not pay all of it if you're in a pensionable situation and you don't have any bloody money? No, no, absolutely they do not. And that's part of the problem. And I know I've dealt with carers, I think Ashley McIniff might have been on your own show as well, and carers who would tell us they can't afford to, you know, put up matching funds or put up a percentage. As you said, quite often they might be on social welfare, either carers allowance or pension. And they have the little they have, they might be trying to keep some of that for the care of their loved one. Um, when they can no longer care. So so there's so many financial pressures as well as lack of support on family carers. And they contribute so much to our society, to our state, to our health services, yet they continually get left behind, forgotten. They were the forgotten front line, you know, throughout this whole pandemic. So it really is time that government stepped up, recognised what they do, and not just say, pat them on the back and say, you're doing a great job. Yeah, Put well in done. place yeah. support. Because they're sick of hearing how great they are. They don't want to be told how great they are. They want real support, action to help them and get them through everyday caring um, so that they can continue to do that because that's what they want to do. They want to care for their loved ones at home. They cannot do it alone. And, you know, Family Care Island, we're here to support them, but we need the government to come in behind us and support them properly through financial support and services. And, and, and just finally, on that note, everything. when you say they, go, they need the government to support them, absolutely everybody agrees with that, and they should. What about people going into the caring industry and obviously, you know, those supports that you need for, I suppose, for respite, and et cetera, et cetera, or for home help, all those kind of things. Is there enough people going into the industry, mainly women, I imagine, by the way, I imagine the industry is probably 80, 90% women, but is there enough people going in, uh, you know, young people coming out of college, training, uh, doing courses, whatever, to get into that industry? There's not because that industry is so poorly paid, it's so poorly regulated and actually HICWA came out just 
today with a report calling for regulation of home care supports and we would support that. Um, so home care supports need to be regulated but the people who work in that industry need to be paid well, they need to be um, supported. If they work in the HSE for example they have entitlements to pension and travel but if they're not in the HSE then the, the I suppose the terms and conditions that they get are far less. Um, attractive. So, okay, so an age, through agencies, I imagine, that. or whatever it happens to be. It yeah. is, and yeah. even through voluntary organisations like ourselves. Um, but they need to be paid well, they need to be supported well, because we need people in that industry. What is the, what is the pay, by the way? I'm, I'm curious, if you're a full-time carer and you're going, you know, looking after, say, three or four people a week or whatever it is, you know, calling, I'm assuming mm. they call to people, stay with them for a few hours, and then they'd move on to the next person or whatever it is. What, mm-hmm. what, what is the, you know, if you're working a 36-hour week or whatever it is that they work, what is the pay? It, it ranges depending on obviously which agency who you're working for. I know our own people will be paid over 13 euros per hour. As the, That's the awful, isn't rate. it? Yeah. For what they're doing, then, like. Exactly. I mean, it is such a commitment. You need people who are obviously caring, who are qualified. Now, if they're caring, obviously, at weekends, at nights, that rate rises or overnights, yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly, exactly. But look, I think what's really important is that the right people go into that industry and that they are paid well, paid an attractive wage, a pension, you know, so that we get the right people going into homes and, and families get the right people coming into their homes to care for their lives. And again, to point out, as you already pointed out, we're saving the state and the taxpayer billions every year by having people looking after their own loved ones and that who were, who otherwise would be in residential care. So we exactly. are saving the state a lot of money. And it's where people want to be cared for. Older people want to be cared for at home, the majority of them. People with disabilities want to remain living at home. They can do that um, with the care of a loved one and the support of a loved one, but family carers can't do it on their own. And they shouldn't have to. Um, They should get the support that they need. And just to say for carers out there, Family Carers Ireland, we do have a free phone care line, which is 1-800-24-07-24. Do contact us if you need support, information, advice, advocacy. We have training for carers. We have respite for carers. We have counselling for carers, which is free of charge because we know how difficult the last 18 months have been for you. So we're here to help any way that we can as well. Okay, just give us that number again, 1-800-24-07-24. Yeah, 1-800-24-07-24. 24-07-24. 24 one Easy enough one to remember. That's 24 It's a one eight hundred number. It's a free phone number anywhere in the country. So if you need any help, you are a carer, you want support, or you're looking for a bit of advice, that's the number to give them a call. Listen, thank and Niall, if I could say just if there are businesses out there or companies or donors out there who would like to support the work that we do because we are a charity, please go onto our website, familycares.ie. We'd love to hear from you. And if you'd like to donate or support, please do. Oh, that's that's it. Just, just finally, before you go, when my father passed away about five years, ago. The stairlift was still in the house. The bath with the door was still in the house. There was equipment there, oxygen machines, etc, etc. I rang the HSE and I said, look, do you have someone I can give these to, to donate these to? I don't want any money, obviously, for any of it. You know, that we could, somebody who will use it because the next person who buys this house because we were selling the house is not going to use these things. Mm-hmm. No, they were no good to them. They're, they're second hand. We can't use them. I eventually put the stairlift on Dundee. Thankfully, somebody not too far away with a similar type house uh, said they would fit in their house. They come out and we helped them take it out and they brought it up to their own house for their mother. And the oxygen machines and everything else, We I brought them over to the local chemist and I said, look, can you give them to somebody? So, but what can people do with all that equipment if a loved one does indeed pass away? Is it reusable? 
It is in some cases. Now, obviously, with COVID, you know, things are much tighter around guidelines and all that. But look, we have situations, for example, a bath that one of our carers had for a little boy and he very sadly passed away. We have offered that and she has offered that to another family. So look, contact Family Cares Ireland. We'll do our best uh, in those situations to try and, you know, get that equipment to another family who could really use it. Because it is so important rather than it sitting there gathering. Or ending up, up in a skip or something like absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. There's families out there who are crying out for that. So look, make contact with us. We'll do our very best to try and get that to another family who really need it. All right, listen, thank you very much indeed. Catherine Cox, Thanks Head of so Communications much, and Policy for Family Carers Ireland. And the number again, if you're a carer or indeed if you have equipment that you need to give to somebody and you want to donate to somebody else, that sadly somebody has passed away and you have all those winches and bits and pieces there uh, that you want to pass on to somebody else who might need them because they could be waiting too long for them. Uh, the number is one 800 24 That's one 800 24 You can call them if you want advice on caring for somebody or just reaching out for help. You need help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Please don't do it all on your own. Don't go down a dark hole you know, thinking there's nobody out there to support me or help me. They will do their best for you to get you as much help and support as you need or give you any advice that you want. one 800 24 All right. Now, <clears throat> Geraldine, hi. You're on Ireland's Classic Hits. How are you? Hi, Niall. How are you? Now, before I start, Geraldine, I remember talking to you about a year and a half ago at the time they had, maybe it could have been two years ago. I'm losing track of time here. But it was about two years ago, maybe. And they had taken your carers allowance off you because you were slightly right. over the threshold because you're so yeah. Ethan. And can I first say to you as well, I am so sorry and my condolence to you. I know Ethan passed away about a year ago. Um, so I'm so sorry to hear that. And I hope I hope time is being a good healer for you or some sort of healer for you. And that's <laughs> I know, always I know difficult, always difficult. It is. Um, but anyway, to, to get on, I mean, you went through this, uh, obviously, for Ethan's life, you know, begging yes. constantly for support, constantly all the time trying to get yeah. help. And, and not only that, they made things worse by taking your carers allowance off you just because you'd gone slightly over the threshold for yep. earnings. And now, I, I find this a really interesting conversation. So, you're not seen as being working while you no. were caring for Ethan. No, I'm seen like I was on a social welfare benefit and that I wasn't in the workforce. So stay-at-home mom is what they've me down as, even though I was far more than that, in my opinion. I, I was working very hard. Of course and you it just It's not acknowledged and I don't think it ever will be. So you know, for 16, or you, you dedicated 18, 18 years, years of your yeah. life, sorry, 18 years of your life. It was 16, He was 16, I think, when I spoke to you. It was 18 yeah, years right. of your life. Uh, to Ethan and looking after him, and you, you t- I remember you describing to us, you know, trying to lift him and carry him and all sorts yeah. of things, and uh, because of his condition, and you're just you're not even recognised for doing that. No, no, like um, to try and get a job is very difficult. Even to put yourself in that frame of mind of getting a job, like I'm very lucky. My husband has a good job, and I can take time to grieve. Yeah, and be ready to face the workforce when I'm ready to. But when I take that step, I'm down as not working on social welfare and seen as somebody who chose to stay at home. No mm. carer chooses the role. No, no, it we should be recognised yeah. as a, essentially a career. Yeah, because that's what yeah, it was. Sure, until the pay, but the pay will never be that nice, so they won't do it because if they pay you for the actual job you're doing, they don't want to give you the benefits that you're entitled to you know, breaks, which means they would have to have respite. They don't have any of that. It's all fight, fight, fight. Who you know, who shouts the loudest, who makes the most noise. It's just that on top of the caring role. It's so exhausting. It's just hard to explain. I know, I know. And I remember, and, and speaking yesterday to some women who come on, yesterday, mainly women, 
it is that they, yeah. they talk about this they come on yes they talk about you know and how their life is getting up at one two o'clock in the morning and all this kind of stuff yeah. and it's, it's just so difficult to listen to but I remember a conversation going back about a year ago we talked about mothers who were forced to leave the workplace under old Irish law in the civil service because they got married and had a child so they had yeah. to leave the workforce and those women wanted to be recognised for a pension uh, you know as doing a job essentially because the state forced them to go home and look after their children yeah. I mean this is the same situation you're technically and you had no choice because you were saving the state money by looking yeah. after your own, and looking after your own child who had particular needs and and now you're not recognised for doing that no no there's nothing it's just um, oh well, you've been out of work so long that you need to do all these courses and they're all if you do a course, it's kind of like uh, very basic. So they start you at the very basic thing. They assume things about you, you know, yeah. that you've not been educated, that you have decided to go on the dole, as we would call yeah. it, for the last 18 years. And no matter how many times I sit and I tell them, no, I'm educated. I, I chose to take the 18 years to spend with my son because I knew he was terminally ill. I chose to be a carer. But I really didn't have a choice because the government were never going to step in and say, here, let's support you with um, your well, if, career. Well, well if you didn't child. choose to do it, he would be in residential care. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There'd be no way, no two ways no. about it. So I mean, you don't really have a choice. He's your baby. You love him, of course. Of and I course. don't regret a second of it. Mm. I do it over and over again. But it's just the fact that there aren't any, um, like, you know, the, the clap or the pat on the back or the, the carers week. Well, aren't you great? Aren't you great? Yeah, and and I, we, Catherine just yeah. said this to before the break from Family Carers Ireland. Yeah. She said, you know, we're sick of the aren't you great, aren't you wonderful yeah. and, that, and the pat on the back. We want support. Yeah, yeah, like it shouldn't be a big, like when we went when we went to apply for an extension for Ethan, we had to get all the documentation to prove that Ethan had lost his ability to walk. But because people don't, uh, experts in the field of the Galway City Council don't understand what that means, so we'd go and prove that uh, we had to physically carry him. So that was grand. You'd get all those reports up to date, you'd send them in, and then nothing. Then a year later, the reports are out of date. Off you go again. And we had to get specialists from Dublin and Galway, you know, constantly harassing them for these reports that they'd already done and that Ethan was deteriorating. And eventually, anyway, Ethan passed and we didn't even get the nod for the extension. And they have, like, a, I've seen this before where they have, like, this criteria, you know, when you put in, a, yeah. say, an application to say he's incapable of independent living. And you yeah. have this criteria where they say, can he brush his own hair? Can he brush his own teeth? And I've seen this within the courts and particularly in family law as well. You know, this criteria constantly all the time. It's all red tape, constant red yeah, tape. Yeah, all boxes. Yeah. yeah. And it's just yeah, incredible. And, and now, uh, sadly, because he's passed away now, you're back in the world again. You're back out. And what, yeah. what is it you want to do, Geraldine? What are you looking to do? Oh, I don't really know. I think I'd end up working with kids like Ethan. I think I would like to do that. Would I think maybe an S&A or something like that? Um, well, I've already done a course when Ethan was with me to be an S&A, but okay. I... Don't, I don't know. I think I'd like to work in residential care. I think I'd okay. like to be the one that's minding the kids in respite. Because I know it's like to be on the other side of it, the mothers that are anxious to let, needs to let them go, but is anxious. So I think if they knew my experience, I'd be like, no, I know what it's like. I know exactly what it's like. I promise you, your kid will be in the best care. And it's you know what? No better person to work in residential care than somebody who is passionately loved and cared for somebody for 18 years yeah. of her life. So no better person yeah. to do it because you have a great understanding of not only the child or the person, but an understanding of how the people coming to visit feel as well. Yeah, the parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah you absolutely. know, because it, it, is, it is tough to accept you need respite, but it's so vital and so many parents are so afraid of it. Yeah. So it's just so badly needed. Yeah, so you wouldn't mind even going out to people's homes looking after somebody while they took a little bit of time out because yes, you remember what that was like, of course, that you couldn't Absolutely. get that time out and you were exhausted yeah. all the time. I remember you telling me at the time you were exhausted because yeah. you were up all hours of the morning and night. But anyway, yeah. but the main thing is you want to be recognised and not recognised yeah. as somebody who was unemployed for 18 years. 
Yeah, I think even after your caring role is done, there should be something there for you. There should be a safety net and you should be looked after, not just, oh, well, there you go, you're on the dole now and you've got X amount of time to get a job, so good luck to you. Well, you know, it's, it's not just a son we lost, it's a whole life I lost too, you yeah. know, and what, what I was. And I think that's something that maybe Catherine Cox from Carers Ireland, Carers, they yeah. maybe want, might want to get involved in it. I know they had a list of demands, which I had in my hand there a few minutes ago, of all the things they want the government to review and look at. Unfortunately, not too well at the moment, but that's another one of them that we should add to the list. Absolutely, that yeah, you need to be recognised. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and certainly from the Department of Social Protection, you need to be recognised. Listen, thank I you for raising so, yeah. that. I think it's a good issue and I, I think we will have to come back to it again. But thank you for raising that, Geraldine, and, and good luck to Thanks, you as man. well, by the way. And I wish, you I wish you well in your future, whatever you do in the future. Thanks right. very much, Niall. I appreciate all, it. And we're all thinking of Ethan as well. Thanks so much. All I appreciate right. it. Thank okay. you. See you. Bye. 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 Uh, there you go. Uh, we spoke to Geraldine two years ago uh, when she was struggling at the time because she had had her carer's allowance removed just because she had got on with the threshold. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.